Now, we're going to forego the statement of faith right here because I'm going to incorporate that into what I'm going to talk about. So y'all just be ready for that later. Amen? Amen. So, now, and, and so our scripture today comes from uh, Hebrews 6 and 1. The Bible says, therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles. Somebody say elementary principles. Elementary principles. You know what elementary school is like, don't you? You know, you get pre-K, kindergarten, then you go to elementary school. You know, elementary is A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Two plus two is four. There's some elementary things in the gospel that we got to leave and stop arguing about. You know, we shouldn't be arguing about whether or not we need to repent in order to be saved. That's elementary. We shouldn't be arguing about how we're going to get baptized. Whether you're going to sprinkle me, dip me, throw me in some water, put me in living water, running water, long as you've been baptized. We shouldn't be arguing. Those are elementary things. We shouldn't be arguing about sin. Sin is elementary. So he said sometimes we got to leave the elementary thing and let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. We know dead works is bad. And faith toward God. Amen? Amen? Well, you may be seated. You may be seated. Today we come to celebrate Striving's silver anniversary. Amen? And we thank God for uh, allowing us to serve him and his people for 25 amazing years. Yes, you can clap right there. That's all right. 25 years. That's a, that's a pretty good landmark, pretty good milestone. Amen? And yes, 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 there have been some ups and downs. Uh, but by the grace of God, we're still here. Amen? And, and I want to say to our current members and any former member who has blessed us with your presence, you all family. Amen? And in my mind, you will always be part of the striving family. Whether you've joined another church somewhere, moved on, stopped coming, we all consider you family. If you ever came to these doors on Pelham in the upper room, at Direct Center or here at Big Blue, I consider you family. And so I would like to take a moment of silent reflection and remembrance of some family members that may have gone on to be with the Lord. And so just let's take a moment of silent reflection. Just remembering that they may be missed, but they're never forgotten. Amen. Now, today's message will be a refresher knowledge for some and revelatory knowledge for others. See, our text scripture, Hebrews 6 and 1, is where striving got its name from. And if the truth be known, Veronica, we was this close to being called Heptagon Ministries. 25 years later, Y'all coming to Heptagon Ministries. Why? Well, because at the time when we started the ministry, I was in a study of numerology. And in numerology, I found out that seven was God's perfect number. He completed things in seven days. He finished things. So I said, you know, what is a seven-sided figure? And I looked it up and it said a heptagon. But I was talking to Minister Valley, walking across Herbert Field, and he said, man, can I just say it how he said it back then, 25 years ago? Ain't no Negroes coming to no Heptagon Ministries. <laughs> Since we learned about striving, I'm just giving you something, some, for some of y'all that's revelatory, some of y'all may have heard that before. 
And so that night I went home and put the word perfection in my Bible dictionary and see where it popped out in the Bible. Because I was still looking for something with the word perfect in it. And that's where I landed at Hebrews 6 and 1, where we derived the name striving for perfection ministries. It's when he says, therefore, leaving the elementary principles of God, let us go on, strive, let us go on to perfection. Perfection in this sense is growing to spiritual maturity, to be mature and complete in the Lord. And so what I said earlier, we stop debating minor issues. We stop debating things that is not relevant to our eternal salvation. There are certain things we have to outgrow when we mature in the Lord. And so the whole aim of ministry here was to get members who want to grow up into the fullness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because I believe that when you grow up into his fullness and you become more like him, he will establish you and make you complete, lacking nothing. Especially things that pertain to your salvation. But one of the valuable lessons that I've learned, Sister Ruby, over the 25 years that I've pastored, is that I've pastored here is that growing up to maturity takes time. And you have to put on patience as God's children matriculate through the growing process. I've also learned that numerical age is not a good indication of spiritual maturity. I found that if a person has a passion for the Lord and the things of God and they hunger and thirst after righteousness, they can be spiritually mature whether they're 19, 16, or 50. Sometimes we look at numerical age and we think because they got gray hairs, they're mature. And sometimes that is not a good indicator. Sometimes there are people who are much younger, but they have a zeal for the Lord and a fire for the Lord. There's someone who's much older. And it could be the other way around. Someone could be older and have that zeal. But my point is I've learned that when it comes to spiritual, spiritually growing, we don't all grow at the same pace. See, see, God made my job hard when he didn't allow y'all to grow at the same pace. Because I, I wish I could have said, Kadada, at five years, this is where you ought to be. Like they do a baby. You know, five years old, you ought to be walking now. You ought to be talking. You ought to be ready for kindergarten and all that. And then at 10 years, you ought to be ready for, you know, a little fifth grade. You know, at 15, you ought to be ready to go to high school. And then, you know, after high school, you ought to be ready to go to college. But I found that 20 years in, there's still some babies. They're still making their way through the growing process. So it takes patience when you're dealing with God people when it comes to growing. Now as a church for 25 years we have endeavored to stay true to our vision. Now our methods have changed over the years but we still remain a teaching ministry one. I'm committed to teaching you the word of God and hoping, somebody say hoping hoping that's an expectation that I have, that you will grow from your knowledge in your head to the point that you start applying that knowledge in your life. See, a lot of times we can get head knowledge, but we never take head knowledge to the point of application. And so therefore, all we become is professional students. And I pray that for 25 years, we don't just have a bunch of professional students that got a whole lot of word in their mind and in their heart, but they never take that word and apply it to their lives.
Because then now that means that your growth has been stunted and you're not where God would have you to be some 25 years later. So I'm committed to teaching this word and then challenging you to apply it to your life. The next thing we say, look, we are a holistic ministry. In other words, we endeavor to minister to the needs of people wherever they are. That's why we do things in the community. That's why we try to meet people through our meal program, through the education system, by mentoring. All the things we do, even in our, our, our ministry, we want you to be more than just happy and blessed on Sunday. We want you to be successful on Monday. I mean, we want you to enjoy God's best in your life, and not just when you shout and dance in here, but I want you to shout and dance because you done got a promotion. I want you to shout and dance because God is blessing your life outside of the church. And in order to do that, we have to present ministry to you in a holistic fashion, not just your spiritual growth, but I want you to grow in the natural. And we've been committed to that. And I hope that over 25 years that there have been some who have grown on. You know, even now in striving, we got entrepreneurs, people that got their own business. You know, that's developing and building things, doing things. People got their own ideas of how to get things done. We got people here that, you know, like young Marcus, man, that dude just 30 some odd years old, and he's a financial whiz. Just learned that. And we're going to let him share all that knowledge he got by investing because he understands them bitcoins. He understands all that stuff that I don't even want to know about, but the world around me is talking about them. And some of our folk need them. You're going to mess with them bitcoins and you're going to mess with them coins out there. You're going to mess with the market and you're going to mess with this. You need to talk to somebody who done been in it for 15 years. A young man who's telling us that, hey, when I get 45 years old, I'm going to quit working and my money going to work for me. He's in this church, up in the sound booth somewhere around here. So somebody needs to tap into that knowledge because I see people all the time wondering, where do I put my money? How should I invest? I say, well, get somebody who's been in it for a minute and let them tell you. That's all about being holistic. Now, everybody don't want to play the market, don't want to put their money in money. That's fine. But if you're going to put it in there, make sure you let somebody teach you how to put it in there. Somebody that got a successful track record, amen? And we have also endeavored to be a community ministry where we endeavor to make a significant difference in the community where God has called us to serve. In other words, we try to make Jesus' love visible. COVID forced some changes. You know, we had to do some things differently. But the meal program is still going on. The food giveaway is still going on. The back-to-school program still going on. VBS is online and reaching kids all over the United States, even in the midst of COVID, still going on. The Feast Fit for a King, I don't know what you call the Feast Fit for a King, but we did something with the nursing home that we took everything over there but the feast because they wouldn't let us bring the feast in. But we took enough stuff over there where they felt like we did not forget them during COVID. And so the goal has always been to have a ministry where we work together as a team, believing that when we form a synergistic bond with one another, we are stronger working together than we are trying to go it alone. 
And, and in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 through 11, the Bible gives us the value of cooperation and working together. And when you look at Striving's little logos, whenever you see those little three circles there, they're there for a reason. That's let us know that we are stronger when we all overlap, and the strongest part of these circles is that little dot right there. So everything we try to do in Striving got to be aimed at getting to that little dot. Because when I split these circles apart, they are not as strong as they, they are when they are overlapping and they lose themselves to the priority of that little dot. And see, that's why we can be successful. Sometimes you got to lose yourself for the benefit of the good, for the benefit of the whole. Because by yourself, you can haul off and do some things, but together you got to take in consideration of what everybody else got to do. And what everybody else part is, that's why we have to work together. In the world, they say teamwork make the dream. Well, we've been trying to preach teamwork for 25 years, but we're still dreaming and we're still working. Amen. Amen. So we're not going to forget that. And you know, sometimes when you're coaching a team, it's hard to get all the athletes to play together. But look here, a win is not identified by individuals. A win is identified by the team. They never put in the paper that Alabama, you know, that Nick Saban won. They're going to say Alabama. Roll Tide. Cliff, I ain't got nothing for you this year, baby. You, you know, y'all struggling over there at FSU right now. I, you know, y'all got to live a life of humility right now. But, but one day y'all going to work together again for the good of the, of the team. He says, now look in Ecclesiastes, he says, two people are better than one. For they can help each other succeed. Somebody say succeed. You know, success is not done by yourself. Somebody's going to always be a part of your success, whether you want to give them credit for it or not. Now, he said, now, if one person falls, the other can reach down and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Then he says, likewise, two people lying close together can help keep keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? In other words, he's just trying to show us the value of teamwork, companionship, having someone that will be there to have your back. Because he makes that clear in the next verse. He says, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. When you got my back and I got your back, we can beat some things. You know, but I can't do it if you don't have my back. And you can't do it if I don't have your back. So he said, we work together the team. Then he says, three are even. Two is okay, Cliff. But if I can get three, that's even better because a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You know, he's trying to tell us, if you take the analogy of a strand of hair, by itself, Kadada, I can just take one of your strands and I'll just snap it all day long. It put up very little resistance. But if I braid them little strands up together and make a braid out of them, it would be almost impossible to break them. And so that's the point he's trying to let us know that as a church and as a family, we got to learn how to work together and braid ourselves together like those circles that we saw here earlier overlap. So as they do that, we become stronger. We can get more done working together than we can working apart. Amen? 
Now, now I'm going to spend the remainder of this specific moment in time, a time where we are here glorifying God for 25 amazing years of ministry, but I want to finish by adding some context to our statement of faith. Something that we say every week in a way to charge us to, to have the faith to believe and do the things in this life that will bring glory to God. You know, that's why our theme for this year is do all to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now, I must be honest with you. The first part of our statement of faith, up until you get down to the humble and obedient mature, I got that from somewhere else. I was told that Joel Osteen's father, John Osteen, started that years ago, and a lot of other churches picked up on it. But when we got down to the after the hero, I stuck in that home piece. That home is uniquely striving. That wasn't a part of what I heard when we went out to Texas to a conference to learn about how to do ministry. That home piece the Lord gave to me and say, take what they got out of there and insert something that's uniquely striving. So now when you get your Bibles, we're not going to stand up today, but you normally say, let's go through this one by one. This is my, this is my, now, guess what, Kadada, 25 years ago when I said that, everybody in the church would stand up and raise up a... But 25 years later, some of them raised up phones and iPads. And I don't have no problem with that because times have changed. You, you can get all that's in this book on an application on your phone. Veronica got her phone right there. See, 25 years ago, she wouldn't even walk up and striving with no phone and talking about, this is my Bible. And we do but now today, when I see her raise up her phone, I got to believe that on that phone with all those other apps is a Bible app. Amen. And her, but the key thing I want you to know is that whether it's in your hand or on your phone, if it's not in your If it's not in your heart, it's not going to do you any good. So we say, this is my Bible. I own this. I possess it. It belongs to me. Wherever I go, I'm supposed to take some of it with me. Then we say, it is the word of what? In other words, the Bible is not a lie. It's God's word and it's true. Now, we're living in a time, as in time past, where the lie is outrunning the truth. And it's easier for people to believe and spread a lie than it is to spread the truth of God's word. Now, I was shocked when I was looking at a survey recently and found out that 40%, get this, 40% of the people who identify as Christians don't believe that the Bible contains God's truth. 40%. Now, I don't know how many was in the survey, whether the good sample but them guys at Barnard, they normally do their work before they start putting stuff out. Then he said, now look, many of them see the Holy Spirit as a symbol and not real. They struggle with the resurrection, Veronica, and the reality of heaven. But what we got to understand that in the end, truth will prevail. And as disciples of Jesus Christ and and, and teachers and preachers of the gospel of truth, we got to proclaim that truth no matter who come against it. We got to explain that truth so that others can understand why we say this Bible is the truth. And then one of the things that we got to do, we got to live this truth because when people see you living it, they can accept it more than you talking about it. 
When you start living the truth, they start seeing the fruit in your life as a result of living the word as if the word is true, then guess what? Your argument will win itself. You don't have to argue with folk when they can see the fruit in your life. And when they ask you, how did you get here? Because I stand on the truth of God's word, and I believe it's true, and I believe it's not a lie, so therefore I stand by it. I don't care who come against it. I believe that the gates of hell shall not prevail against God's word. And you know what? I'm beginning to believe that, that Zantel, that in the last day, because that lie is so strong and so prevalent with our young people, there may be only a remnant that hold on to the truth. There may be only a remnant that's going to still walk in the Lord after they've heard all the opposition. There may be a remnant. You need to make sure that if you're here and you're already in that remnant, you need to be concerned about your children and your your grandchildren. Uh, are they going to be in the remnant? Are they going to be able to hold on to the truth that you held on to for 25 years? Are they going to be able to hold on to it? What's going to happen to the next generation because you did not share the truth of the gospel and the lie outran the truth? It is the word of truth. The third thing it says, I am what it says I am. Look here. In simple terms, you are defined by the word of God. You're not defined by the world or the culture that you live in or your circumstance or situation. You've got to always see yourself as a child of God. And you see yourself as a child of God. Believe Jesus wasn't lying to you when he told you you're an overcomer. And that you are more than a conqueror through him who loves you. Yeah, you're going to go through some tough things in life. Yeah, there are going to be some things that come against you. But you've got to believe I am what the Bible says I am. And if he called me victorious, I'm going to live like I'm victorious. I'm going to act like I'm victorious. I'm going to carry myself like I'm victorious. And if he say I'm valuable, based upon what the price that was paid for me, if he declared that I am valuable to him, then i got to live like I'm valuable and don't let nobody devalue, marginalize, or minimize who I am in the Lord. I belong to the Lord. So therefore, people cannot define me because when someone can define you, they can control you. But therefore, we're defined by what God says we are. I am what he says I am. I am what it says I am. In order for me to live that, I got to know what it says about me. Somebody got to teach me what it says about me because if I don't get taught Cliff what it says about me, then I will let other people tell me who I am and what I am and how I ought to be. I got to know that God has already def defined me. Then he says, we say, I can do what it says I can. In other words, I believe the Bible's letting know if you want to be saved, you can. You want to be delivered, you can. If you want to be set free, you can. If you want to forgive folks, you can do that. If you want to love your enemies, you can. And when it comes to the salvation of your soul, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Amen. When it comes to the salvation of your soul, this Bible leaves you enough for you to be able to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. If I got any saved folk in the house today, is there anybody here? That's a good place to give the Lord some praise right there. When you, hallelujah. 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 Then this is where it gets kind of tough for a pastor. Because now 
he lets us know there's a difference between a believer and a doubter. Because we declare, I am a believer and not a doubter. See, you have to declare in accordance with the gospel that you believe in Jesus Christ. You got to believe that he is the son of God that was born of a virgin. You got to believe that he died on the cross for your sin. You got to believe that he was raised on the third day. You got to believe that he's coming back again. You got to believe in the good news of the gospel that, that God can save everybody. He sent Jesus down to save everybody. You got to believe that. And the tough one that we have to believe is when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No man comes to the Father but by me. If you don't believe that, then you will buy into that. There's, there's a lot of little trails going up this mountain, all these little trails. No, no, no. The Bible that I read says Jesus is the trail you need to be on. Now, I don't have no problem with you believing in other things, God's whatever, but I'm just going to tell you what the book that I believe in, the rule book that I play by, says that Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. No man come to the So we got to be believers. We got to believe this word, but on the other side of that, it lets us know in the next part that beyond believing, we got to be doers. You just can't believe it and then don't do it. So he says, I am a doer and what? Not just a hearer. That lets me know that there's a difference between doing and hearing. And now a lot of people can come to church and be hearers of the word, but very few is going to do what they heard. Amen. Just go back to the parable of the sower and the seed and find out out of all the seed that fell, there was only a percentage of them that became doers, that became fruitful and, became, and was multiplied. So what I'm here to challenge you today is say, you got to go beyond just hearing this word. You got to be a doer of the word because James says the doers are the word and the hearers of the word, be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word because you only deceive your in other words he said when you just a hearer and not a doer it's like you walking and looking into a mirror and see how you look and the word of God is a reflection like a mirror to show you just who you are and when you look at that and don't do nothing with what it reveals to you then you just a hero of the word and not a So I am a doer and not just a... Mm, mm, mm. It is the doers of the word that is blessed by the word. We must take the knowledge that we get in the word and get from the word and put it into action. People got to see us live in this Bible. That's why I said earlier, if it's in your heart, it's going to come out. You'll live it in your everyday life. So I'm a doer and not just a hearer. Then he says, I am, this is where we get to striving now, this is uniquely, this is, this is all the Lord speaking to Larry Boulder, H-O-M-E. H-O-M-E. And I can, I'm going to explain how I got there. See, he says, I am humble before the Lord. Amen? I realize that humility is the antidote to pride and arrogance. 
And I understand that if you humble yourself before the Lord in due time, he will exalt you. See, what we got to understand, and when I was preparing that, it let me know that, hey, the devil didn't, kick, didn't get kicked out of heaven V, because his name was Lucifer. He didn't get out Fabian because he was Lucifer. God named him. And so under normal circumstances, Lucifer is not a bad. He got kicked out of heaven because of his pride elevated him to the place that he wanted to be, be God. And so what I'm trying to tell you, if you're going to have favor with God, you're going to have to come with a spirit of humility. And when you humble yourself before him, in due time, he will exalt you. Young people, the way to the top in whatever world you operate in, whatever orbit you're in, is through humility. You don't have to step on other people. You don't have to stab people in the back. You don't have to sleep with folk to get to the top. You just humble yourself in due time. Do what God tell you to do, and he will let See, the world will tell you the, the end justify the means. You know, if you're trying to get to the top of the ladder, Kent, at the end of the day, as long as you get there, how you get there don't matter. So if you got to lie, cheat, and steal, if you get there, you consider yourself success. But I'm here to tell you, God said there's a way called humility that he wants you to get to the top of the ladder. And you can get there God's way because if you get there God's way, you can stay at the top of the ladder. When you get there other ways, the same people that you walked over trying to get there, they're going to tear you down to bring you back the way you left them. So I'm trying to tell you, trust God and humble yourself before him and believe you humble yourself before him in due time he would exalt you. Then we say, I am obedient to the Lord. I got humble and obedient from Jesus' example. He humbled himself, put on the flesh of man, came down and took on our sin, got the beat down for us, and he obeyed God all the way to the cross. That's where the humble and obedience come from. Because look here, when we walk in obedience, we walk in the blessings of the Lord. God's blessing will overtake you when you walk in obedience. You can be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. <clears throat> you can be the lender and not the borrower. Your household can be blessed. You can be blessed whether you live in the city or whether you live in the country. Wherever you go, you can be blessed when you walk in obedience to the Lord. That's why Jesus was blessed because he humbled himself. He obeyed God. And the Bible said God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above, above every name. There is no name above the name of Jesus. So that's why we got humble and obedient from. I am humble before the Lord. I am obedient to the Lord. I realize that I take orders from Jesus. He is not just my Savior. We like the Savior Jesus, the one that delivers us from our sin, but we don't like the Lord Jesus. The Lord is the one that says, I'm master, and you do what I say do, and not what you want to do. And so when every time we say, I am humble before the Lord, and I'm obedient to the Lord, you're saying, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to obey you, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going. Then we say, I am mature in the Lord. That goes back to the name striving for perfection, trying to grow up. See, all of us come to the Lord as babies, 
but it's his great desire for us to grow to spiritual maturity. And the Lord enables us to grow spiritually as we yield our will to his will, as we receive his word in our heart. And the most important part is when we act on the word that we have been taught. That's when God can see us growing spiritually. Everybody that sit up under the word ought to be growing spiritually. And it ought to be manifesting itself in your life. Then the last E came up, I am enthusiastic about the Lord. I almost use excited. Because excited and enthusiastic mean about the same thing when you look them up. But enthusiasm just had a nice little ring to it. Because in the military, favor, they told us that enthusiasm is con- that when enthusiasm, enthusiasm is like a fire. And once that fire gets started, it is supposed to spread. So the intent there was to say, Cliff, that if any time we do something for the Lord, we ought to do it with zeal. We ought to do it with fervor. So that if anybody's standing next to us in that circle, they can't stand there and not catch on fire. If you can do something and you don't ignite a fire when you're doing something around you and other people are not excited, then maybe your enthusiasm is not where it ought to be. If you're leading something, you're doing something, you ought to do it with zeal and passion and enthusiasm so that anybody that touched you will get on fire because they can feel it all in your bones. They can see your enthusiasm. They can feel your enthusiasm. And when you're excited about the things of God, everybody else will be excited. When we come into church and we worship God, we just, you know, again, those three high-energy songs was put there for a reason. Normally, we'd go one slow, one fast, and then, you know, get them preached. I said, this Sunday, let's give all high energy. Because, Faith, you did a good job trying to light the fire. You had enthusiasm working with you, but somebody out there wasn't enthusiastic with you. So that's why they became spectators. Instead of being a part of the game, they were just looking at the game. And I dropped by to help Fabian out right about now and say it's time out for you looking at the game before it's time for you to get in the game. Bring your enthusiasm to the game. Bring your zeal to the game. Bring your fire to the game. Bring what God has given you to the game. Come on, let's give God some praise right there. That's a good place to give him some praise. I am enthusiastic about the Lord. I'm going to serve him with zeal. I'm going to serve him with fear verbal. I'm going to serve him with enthusiasm and believe that when I bring enthusiasm, somebody else is going to get enthusiastic about the Lord. Somebody else is going to catch on fire. Somebody else's spirit is going to be lifted up. Why? Because I brought a praise. The Lord said, I came with a praise on my mind and a praise in my heart. That's what I came to do. That's what you ought to come to do. Come with that level of enthusiasm. Y'all keep standing because we, we got another little song in a minute. But look here. Last thing. He says, then after he talked about enthusiasm, we say, I know that faith comes by hearing. I know that faith comes by hearing. And hearing by, in order for your faith to grow, you got to have the word put in you. You got to have the word preached to you. You got to have the word taught to you. Because say, how will they know if there's not a preacher? Somebody got to preach the word of faith to you to give you the faith to believe the word. If you don't have someone telling you what the Bible say, you won't have the faith to believe it. Because faith fuels your hope. See, hope is always based on a future expectation. 
But faith says, look, even though I don't see it, Jesus, I believe it. So because I got faith to believe it, then now I can continue to hope for heaven. I never seen heaven. Nobody ever came back and told me there. But Jesus said there is a heaven. So therefore, my faith make me believe in a heaven that I have not seen. And so because of that, now I keep hoping that one day I'm going to end up there. My faith tells me that he's coming back. My faith tells me that there is a resurrection. Even though I have never seen it yet, that my faith said in a moment, in a twinkle of an eye, we're going to be changed. That's what my faith say. And because my faith teach me that, I believe that, and it gives me hope, even though it's been a long time. Even though it's been over 2,000 years, they said that I'm still believing it's going to happen. Even if I'm gone before he come back, I'm going to die believing. I'm going to die in hope. I'm going to die in hope because faith lets my hope continue to grow. That's why God said, look, he loved those who walk by and not by, you. if you got to see it to believe it, you don't need faith for it. I've been telling y'all for years and years and years, you've been looking for faith for a house and a car. You see houses and cars every day. You don't need faith for that. You need a job. All you need is a job, you'll get a house. There are sinners out there every day buying houses and cars. Don't pray, don't fast. They just got a job. So you've been running around using up all your faith for something that you can get without. Your faith got to be for things you can't see. Things that have not been revealed to you yet. You need faith to believe. Oh God, help me out right here. You need faith to believe that there is a heaven. You need faith to believe that Jesus is coming back. You need faith to believe that one day when you die, you're going to be raised. You need faith for that. Because you ain't seen that. You need faith for it. So therefore, we have to continue to know that faith comes by hearing. And hearing comes by the word of God. So for 25 years, we've endeavored to glorify God by walking by faith. From a little rec center on Herbert Field to a couple of houses to the upper room at Chester Pruitt when everybody said in six months, they're going to be gone. They won't be here six months from now because all the military, they just following those military folks, and once they get orders, they're going to be gone. That was the word on the street about young babies striving for perfection ministry, six months old. But two years later, we got grew. The rec center <laughs> had to move. Ended up on Pelham Road. Up there in our group, Pelham Road, three years later. Then we end up down here in Big Blue where you are standing at now. 25 years later, God has been faithful to us. God has been good to us. God has allowed us to do what he's called us to do. So therefore, we owe him some glory. We owe him some praise. We owe him all that he deserved. Now look here. This praise song right here, is a, this song is a little bit different from my generation, but I had to throw it in here anyway, V. You know, 25 years ago, this wouldn't have made the playlist. But 25 years later, it's on the playlist now. I, I, and some of it may take you back a minute, but look here. Just listen to the lyrical content because the content tells the story. Don't worry about the messenger. You just listen to the content. And, and if you're my age, it's going to make you move a little bit. 
It can go make you think. Don't, don't go back to what you were moving to when you're doing then, but it's going to make you move a little bit. But that's all right. Marcus, are we ready to roll with it? Let's go. Y'all just get ready. Just, just I'm through preaching. We're going to let this speak for itself. Still got a little rhythm. <laughs> Baby, I see you over there. You tell me you ain't got no rhythm. I know, I know where it take you back to, but that's okay. Get the glory. We're giving them glory for 25 years. We're going to be all right. He's done some things for you, so you need to give him the glory.
it belongs to God. It belongs to God. It belongs to God. Come on, give God some praise. Hallelujah. 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 We thank God for 25 years. And look here, let me educate some of y'all. The church and the world have been sampling each other's music for years. I mean, that's just the way it's been. Ray Charles did it. People mad at him. They just sample. There are certain licks in some chords that just sound good, and then you just... The licks and the chords are not simple. An A note is an A note, and a D flat, and a B flat is a B flat. However you mix that up, it ain't simple. It's what you put with it that can become simple. What was your intent when you put it together? And I know some of y'all had a juicy fruit moment. <laughs> but right now, right now, you dancing to Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God, we thank you for this day. And now, God, we come with the question. Is there anyone here, if there's anyone here who have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we extend the invitation to you right now. He came, hung, bled, and died just for you. Regardless of what state you're in right now, what stage you are in life, it's never too late to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. So if that is you, if you're online or if you're in the house today, if you're online, just give us a call at 850-862-3899, extension zero. Or if you're in the house, would you raise your hand at this time? Say, yes, Pastor, I want to give my life to the Lord. I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins, and I'm ready to accept him into my heart. Please raise your hand. I see no hands, then I take it that all are saved. If you're here and you're looking for a church home, and the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart, and you want to be a part of Striving for Perfection Ministries, we'd love to have you into this family. If you're online, all you have to do is make that same call. Give us a call. Give us a call. If you're here, just raise your hand. Say, yes, Pastor, I want to be a part of this ministry. I want to be a part of what you're doing, not just in the church, but in the community. And the vision that you guys have, I'd like to share in that vision. Please raise your hand. Please raise your hand. See no hands? Then my third is just for prayer. Let us pray. Have your hearts and minds set on whatever it is that you want to petition God for as we go before him in prayer. Let us pray. Eternal God, our Father, we come now giving you thanks for another day's journey, another opportunity to worship you and serve you. But now, God, we make our petitions and our requests known unto you. God, you know each and every one of our hearts. You know our thoughts when they were far off. So, God, whatever we're bringing to your throne, you already know. And so, God, I just ask now that as we come before the throne of grace that you will incline your ear down. Listen to our petitions, our cries, our pleas, and God, please, please, please answer them as you see fit. God, we entrust you with all things, so therefore, 
when we come before you, we believe that when the righteous cry out, you will hear us and you will answer us and you will forgive us and help us and cleanse us. Whatever we need, God, we believe that you will be there for us. God, I thank you for what you've already done in our lives. And God, I give you praise for what you're yet going to do. And God, whatever your people have on their hearts right now, you already know. You already know. I just ask that they would just lift up their eyes to the hill from which cometh their help, knowing that their help come from the Lord, and that you'll be there for them. You will be there with them. You will not leave them nor forsake them. God, we thank you for sustaining us, even during the times that we're living in. God, we know that COVID is running rampant still, but God, we still trust you for all things. We protect ourselves, but we put our lives in your hand, God. We thank you for what you've done thus far, and we thank you for what you're yet going to do. And God, for anyone that's going through any type of difficulties right now, Lord, anything that's troubling them, that their heart is not at peace, God, I declare that peace be still in their lives right now, God. Give them that peace that surpass all understanding, God, so that they would be still and know that you are God. We thank you, God, again for the 25 years that you've allowed us to serve you and this community and these people. And God, we just ask that you continue to bless us and keep us and sustain us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, if you will. (laughs) Hallelujah.